Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Profitability Podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Pinar. Every week on this podcast, I have a conversation with a fascinating guest, whether they're an entrepreneur, artist, musician, author, poet, or artisan, to learn more about how they live a life that is uniquely profitable. My guest today is Bunny Young, someone who has done so many different things in her life already. She's a former stuntwoman and therapist, and today is an entrepreneur that runs multiple businesses. She's also an army wife and mom to two daughters. Before our conversation, I thought that it would follow a very specific arc. Bunny would tell a story of how she grew up amongst her grandparents who were entrepreneurs and how she decided that she would never be an entrepreneur and instead wanted to prove them wrong by pursuing a job and climbing the corporate ladder. But after being diagnosed with a serious heart condition and losing a dear friend, Bunny asked herself about what her purpose was. And in answering that question, she, in her own words, came full circle and became an entrepreneur. Bunny and I had a fascinating conversation about self-work, finding one's purpose, figuring out what your core values are, and why she tells her kids that her work is simply to make the world a better place. I really enjoyed Bunny's conviction and her simple question to figure out whether she should do anything, which is, does this serve me? In between, Bunny has a few word tricks and also suggests not getting the word integrity tattooed on you. Let's dive right into today's conversation with Bunny Young. Hi, Bunny. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, and um, I think for listeners, they, they're always going to get this a, a couple of weeks uh, down the line. We are in U.S. election week, which I assume creates kind of a very specific or unique kind of energy at the stage, right? And having this conversation right now. Oh, absolutely. I, I imagine that right now, a lot of my clients have spent the entire night staying up to try to find results that we don't yet have. And so there's a lot of, you had said unrest, and I'm going to say there's a lot of uncertainty, which definitely, spoiler alert for anybody, that's just life. There's a lot of uncertainty in life, so it doesn't matter if it's election week or not. 2020 as a whole, right, has just thrown up a lot of uncertainty. But let's not leave our kind of listeners in complete uncertainty here. And let me not be rude here. Bunny, if you walk into a room, bunch of strangers, I would love to know, how do you introduce yourself today, right? And crucially, I'm curious to know whether you use any labels to introduce yourself or define yourself on a kind of relatively consistent basis. So my very quick introduction is if somebody asks me what I do, I say I save the world. And that's where I leave it. And the point of that is to have people inquire. And it helps me with obviously my psychology background to get their perspective on what that means, whether they laugh, whether they're curious, whether they lean in and they wanna know more. And so that's where I start the conversation. And then I just leave space to have a genuine conversation. I really try not to have an elevator pitch I've never had that be super successful in defining or describing what I do. Because if you ask my daughter, she tells you that I saved the world. And I figured that was the the best explanation that I could be provided with. That is so awesome, by the way. And I've done on a less grandiose level, but you know, having been in software and a software entrepreneur for pretty much my whole life, I, I just tell my kids that I code games, right? Because that's relevant to them. I've got two young boys, six and nine. And um, they look at me and like, dad's a superhero, he codes games, right? And I like, it's like, that's very far from the truth, actually. But by all means, like, if you guys respect me and adore me for that, like, I will totally take that compliment. Yeah, it's great. Because as a parent, it takes the conversation from mom's going to work to like, what the sacrifice is of mom 
actually not spending time with my kids. And it's been wonderful because I wouldn't have that explanation without that conversation and without that open dialect with my daughter when instead of saying mommy's going to work, saying, you know, what what do you think mommy does for work? You know, what do you think mommy does? And so then that gets into this whole conversation of value and perceived value and what we add to the world as value and how we get a return on investment for that value and the fact that whatever, because if you go to my website, you see the whole story on the starfish and that's part of our logo, it, you can't see it, but there's a starfish hanging above my head. Uh, I have a starfish necklace on. It's definitely been an inspirational story. And so sharing that with my daughter and her telling people, mommy saves the world, she's going to throw a starfish today is much better than, you know, mommy's going to work. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, what really resonates there, Bunny, is like something that my wife and I consciously do as well is we never try and tell our kids that we have to work. The reality is, Yes, we do have to work because we have bills to pay, right? So we need to do some kind of form of professional work to get the money. But we never wanted to kind of our hypothesis or thinking is that we don't want to put that on the kids. Firstly, that we're working for you because that's also not true, right? The professional decision that I make is mostly about me as well, right? Where kind of, yes, the getting a salary is the secondary part thereof and you know, facilitating a life accordingly. But I work in the way I do because it also serves me, right? And I think that's part of what I'm also hearing you say is like that narrative that we have with our kids, that kind of work isn't just work, work can mean so much more and mean so much more than just this very kind of linear, go to a nine to five, you know, get paid. And that's that. Absolutely. And it, it also for her, and I have two daughters, but for both of them, it starts to put into perspective what value they can bring to the world, and how they can start getting a return on investment for that value. And we have conversations about learning and we made the decision to have her learn from home for this year and do it virtually. And so we don't have homework, we have self-work. And her and I and the entire family engage in self-work. And the idea with that is to not just do something to do something, but to do something in order to better yourself. And the fact that even in my 30s, which is how old I am now, that I'm still working on investing in myself and bettering myself in order to bring more value to the world. And I just am fascinated and in awe of how much value my daughters already bring to this world. And I pale in comparison to the brilliance that they have to share with this world. Well, I mean, it definitely sounds like you have played a big part in enabling and empowering them and showing them a path of how to kind of you know, truly manifest that magnificence already, right? I'm wondering, though, in this thing you kind of use a slight, almost kind of wordplay, homework versus self-work, right? And it's something that I've many guests here have mentioned, like just the thinking around changing words and the impact that just changing words sometimes has on perception has on kind of you know execution or implementation i'm wondering whether that's actual like thing that you think about right or whether this was just kind of one of those lucky things of saying hey we're not going to call it homework we're going to call it self-work like what, what was your kind of your thinking in terms of changing that kind of narrative there well we spoke about it a little bit offline and the fact that there's no work in life there's just life there's just one life and so when i think back about however many years you spend in grade school i guess it's 13 in the states because we have kindergarten through 12th grade and i think about the lessons that i took that i'm actually receiving a return on investment from a lot of those didn't come out of worksheets that i had to fill out and turn in and get graded on 
And so when you're doing something and when I'm working with my clients, I want them to know I'm not just having them do an exercise to do it. I want them to get something out of it. And it's helpful to explain how this is going to be a return on investment for yourself. And so I'm doing the same thing with my daughter's assignments and when we're learning languages and I ask her what she's interested in and how she wants to what she wants to do with her life and how she wants to get there and then investing in that process. And I find that, yes, absolutely, by giving the space to have that conversation rather than just saying, it's your homework, you have to do it, completely changes her mindset around it and her interest level around it. And for my clients, it has them take more ownership over it rather than I just didn't get my homework done. When you say I didn't get my self work done, I didn't do my self work, that's a totally different mindset. And so my goal is not to actually change the execution. My goal is to create space for perspective. And recently, actually about six months ago, I changed all of the spelling of the word human in all of my writings, my articles, my blogs, the website to H-U-M-X-N. And I even wrote a blog about why I did it because I did it just because I wanted to. And I had such an incredible response to say, you either have a typo or I love it or why did you do it? And so I wrote an entire article about why human, H-U-M-X-N, is not misspelled. And I wrote that blog and I let my editor know. I'm like, this is something that's on purpose. It's intentional. And the entire reason for spelling it that way is not this grand message of, we need to not have man and all of these labels in the English language. It was just to get you to do exactly what you just did of stop and think like, oh, man is the end of that word. And if we put an X there, it makes it whatever it is for you, whatever thoughts you want to have. The fact that you paused and evaluated and looked at that word and thought for a second, that's the entire purpose of spelling it that way. And also the fact that it was my choice. I intentionally made a choice to swap out one letter and that has a completely different impact for me and it makes me feel and it gives me a different perspective and it makes almost a freedom in my writing. So for you, whatever that brings for you, that's wonderful. If it brings up a conversation, if you're reading it to a team or if you're just reading it in the morning and you're like, how does this make you feel or how does... Other words, how do other words in the English language or whatever your language is make you feel? And how do we need to evolve them and evaluate them in 2020? So the long answer to your question is, I think that there's simple spaces in our lives that can be evaluated and we can gain more perspective. And there are a lot of things that we've been doing just because we're used to doing them. And if you take a second and evaluate them and ask yourself the question that I asked myself of, is this serving me? Well, homework wasn't exactly serving me. Human wasn't exactly serving me. It didn't have the intention that I wanted it to. And so that's where that came from. Yeah. And you know what really resonates there? I think for me, so I stumbled into, literally stumbled because I absolutely had to because my life was falling apart. But I stumbled into mindfulness probably about four years ago now. And back then I had a daily meditation practice and that's changed since. I'm, I'm more of an ad hoc kind of meditator in terms of the practice today. But the key thing, and I think this is what most people misunderstand about mindfulness, 
And the way I simplify it at least, it is just about that first year awareness, right? So catching yourself by not just doing things because this is the way things are always kind of happen. And then asking a similar kind of question, right? Whether it's, is this serving me or what is the intent here? And just making sure like, because if you know those two things, if you're aware of the trigger or the impetus or the situation, and you can link that back to kind of what needs to actually happen next or what is important, that's already a much better guide or space to be in, in terms of, you know, being happy, being content, being productive, whatever the desired outcome is there, right? And I think, like, I actually love, like, changing just the word human, you know, whether it's polarizing or not, but it makes you stop and think, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, that creates that space for you to do one of two things, which is one, skip over it and go the natural path, or actually ask a question that is of value in terms of how can I actually take better steps going forward here? Yes, and it's, I had this grand conversation because one of my good friends does SEO and we had a marketing conversation over the fact that this is a typo. And so now this is going to impact search results and all of this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, I'm not looking for every single person to read this article. I'm looking for the person to see the title and click on it out of curiosity, out of perspective out of it created something inside them that they wanted to know more of, even if it is polarizing. And so there's this idea in entrepreneurism of how many likes, how many followers, how much engagement we have and growing and growing and growing. And then it gets to a point where it's growth for growth's sake. It doesn't matter if I'm acing all of the algorithms, if I'm not really making a difference to the people that I should or want to reach. And the people that I want to reach are going to look at that article and it's gonna make them think. And that's what I want. And so it's not the people that are gonna look at it and say, hey, this is a misspelling. And just assume that I misspelled it 15 times in one article and not take the, the chance or the opportunity to be like, oh, well, if I actually read the article, I understand that you didn't actually misspell it. And for months, we had to link the article to the misspelling because we were getting feedback. And we have, so for A Better Place Consulting, we work with entrepreneurs, we work with corporate, and we work with government. And so for months, we were getting feedback on different parts of the website or different emails that we put out that said, hey, you misspelled this. And so the word human, the way that we spelled it, would always have this hyperlink back to the article so that you could click on it. And just even that hyperlink and watching how many people clicked through, it, it was great for me. And I know I'm kind of a nerd because I went to school and studied human behavior and psychology, but it was just amazing to see how many people clicked through versus how many people replied and how that bell curve came down significantly as we moved farther into the year and people became more open I believe humanity has become more open-minded to the possibility of changing their perspective. And that's been amazing. And as a human behavior and psychology nerd and business therapist to watch it, how the perspective and the space as you're talking about mindfulness has now changed the way that we do business and the way that we have relationships is incredible. Yeah. So maybe putting you on the spot here, right? And I, um, it's just gone five for me and I, I should have had a glass of wine for the next question to properly philosophize this. But I'm wondering, as you say that, because I too have this desire. I agree, firstly, that I think there are large parts of society that I would label as progressive, more open, considering like open to new things, right? But then we also kind of see 
large parts of society that have become more narrow, more closed, more radicalized, right? But the question I have for you that I would love to get your take on is, as you speak about kind of you're bettering yourself, your self-work, there is always this notion of, of me, right? And the very definition of me suggests, at least on the surface, or could suggest to many, that I'm actually saying closed, right? That open meaning connecting, and I'm considering those around me versus when the focus is on me, when there's a kind of this return on, on self here, then it's not others. Like, how do you reconcile that? Like, how do you connect those things? Are they connected for you? Yeah. So I spent a ridiculous amount of time with horses growing up, and I still spend a ridiculous amount of time with horses. And this concept of self as a human, we are tribal beings. We are a part of a larger herd. And when I look at herds, I notice that there is no individual. There's this what's best for the herd. In fact, the alpha mayor, which would be traditionally what we'd refer to as the CEO of a company, doesn't get that position by being the best horse, but she gets that position by consistently demonstrating her ability to put the needs of the herd first. And so when I say take care of myself, Please understand if you're listening to this that it doesn't come out of a place of me wanting to be the best version of myself for me. It's very driven by my kids, absolutely. And what I do with the company, I wanna make the world a better place for my children. That's the actual vision that I had. And I can't make the world a better place for them without actually just making the world a better place. And so that's where the birth of the vision for the company came. And that's where if any email that I send, it says, make a difference. And so I know and understand that I can't grow without those nutrients, sun, soil, if you want to do a plant metaphor. And I need to feed that to myself. And so I talked about this concept of selfish and how if I say I'm going to be on this podcast at 10-ish, or if I say that I'm semi-interested or that, you know, we're kind of in a relationship-ish, it's like half in, half out. And so when I think about the word selfish, I'm not selfish, I'm self-full, like I'm all in with taking care of myself. And I want my girls to understand that as well, that it's not selfish to prioritize yourself because actually the failure to prioritize yourself will ultimately lead to a weaker herd and a less healthy herd. And that's what we do with workplaces and with entrepreneurs is to help them to understand that growing for growth's sake or you know, putting in 120 hours because you just wanna to get to that next milestone, if you're putting your health at risk, if you're putting your sanity at risk, if you're putting your wellness at risk and that of your teams, you're actually not making the impact that you want to do. And we've worked with a lot of wellness practitioners who are doing service-based work and they only see how they can provide more value by providing more hours and they're getting to burnout. And who wants to work with a wellness practitioner that's burning out or that's burnout? And so really changing that perspective of seeing that you are your most valuable self when you're fully invested in providing your whole self with all of the nutrients that you need to grow and then going from there. And so when I look at my calendar, there's number one time for myself. And then number two, I fill it in with my family. And then I built my company around 
what was left over rather than giving my company the best parts of my life and having a heart condition, knowing that that's not a given every single day. And I didn't want to give my family or myself leftovers. I deserve better than that. And so I would have given my family the number one spot if they wouldn't have gotten least or less valuable version of me. And it took a long, long, long time for me to understand. And I think therapists are historically not so great at this self-work, but being able to say, no, I'm going to put myself first and then we'll see what happens. And it was just a little psychological experiment in the amount of growth that I saw within myself, within my family, my relationships and my company. And it doesn't even make sense. I spend an eighth of the time that I used to actually working in the traditional form. And the return on investment in both my energy, my health, my relationships, and the company, and the growth in the company, and now to have five companies, it's mind-blowing to me. And I still don't work anymore, but I work harder on myself. Yeah. And I want to dig deeper there, and I and I have a specific question there. What I wanted to tag on about what you said there first is, so in South Africa, in our Kosa culture, we have a word called Ubuntu, and it's loosely translated to, to being I am because we are. And it is essentially kind of acknowledging a unique individual, but also as part of this bigger tribe, you use the herd related to horses. But that same kind of you know, idea, at least, is that even though I'm a unique individual, I'm also part of this bigger ecosystem and like I am also only unique because of these people around me. I think like the a great thing in Buddhism is that notion of like we only know dark because we only know light, right? Like that is the, the same thing. I'm only unique because I'm relatively unique compared to the person next to me, right? So that really resonates in terms of I can only do this, doing the self-work actually benefits others around me, right? So. I want to kind of jump on what you said towards that end there and kind of about the, the way you work, right? If, if I propose to you and I said that part of my self-work, for example, is actually working in my business, like, what do you say to me? Am I crazy? Am I just self-justifying, working more? It's that awareness and you're accountable for that awareness. I can't tell you what it's like to feel that for you. We have this thing in my family that's come from my, my therapy work is whenever anyone in our family or actually in our company says, well, you made me feel, we stop and say, I can't crawl inside you and make you feel any certain way. And those are your feelings. And let's start there and say, I feel, and then go from there. But to own the fact that we own our feelings and therefore we have the power to change them. So if you say, that doing this podcast, and hopefully it fulfills you, it fills you up with energy and you're gonna have weeks worth of glow to go about and throw a million starfish and have amazing play dates with your kiddos and have an amazing intimate date night with your wife. That's all incredible. And so, they, but you're the only one who can say that. And it's that awareness of I'm doing this because it fulfills me and it goes back to that question that I left your listeners with earlier of, is this serving me? So I'm not saying that you can't do what you're meant to do, because in fact, I think that if your work, if you've truly found your purpose and like for me, what you do fulfills 
that core purpose of why I was put on this earth, then absolutely that fulfills you. I just look at it as I want to put the self work in and I want to put my family work in and then whatever's left is what the companies actually get. And that's the way that I've structured it. And because I do it that way, there's this compounding return on investment and value because I become more valuable at each step in the process to the point where when I do show up for this podcast, I'm overflowing with value. I'm not burnout. I'm not exhausted. I don't need 15 cups of coffee. I'm just here to be able to give you the highest amount of value. And then once this is done, I can go and fill my cup again. We have this American analogy of you can't pour from an empty cup. So my cup is always overflowing because I have all of these activities and it's, I don't have a Mary Poppins life. You know, my husband jokes with me that I'm practically perfect in every way, but I think he does that because he loves me. I don't have a Mary Poppins life. You know, I dropped a vacuum on my foot on Sunday and it was because I was doing too many things at once. And we sat down and had that conversation that like, this is literally physically and mentally telling me to slow down because I was trying to do 15 things at once and wasn't actually concentrating. And so that value, and it shows in that stupid vacuum story of when your perspective and when your focus is on 15 different things, you're a less valuable mind and self and energy and being than when you're focused truly on one thing. And I know that's a stupid vacuum story, but it's a demonstration of how we hurt ourselves and we don't bring the most value when we're not focused on that one thing that and being fully present. And we've all been on a Zoom call or on a video conference call where you know somebody is literally typing an email as you're talking and how that makes you feel. And so it's just the simple practice of being present and it's becoming more and more and more difficult because our attention spans as human beings are decreasing. And we know through psychological studies because of the dopamine effects of notifications and having 50 tabs open and like I turned the do not disturb on my laptop for this podcast because all of a sudden you would see me squirrel and hear any number of dings and Slack notifications and all of this kind of stuff. And that's where our minds are at right now. And so to stop, that was the physical manifestation of what I was doing when I dropped the vacuum on my foot. But you're having a mental vacuum being dropped on your head when you're doing that and you're damaging relationships that you're having, even if it's on a video conference call, even if it's, you know, putting off having story time with your kids for one more email at 11 o'clock at night. If when I tell clients this, if you think about the most expensive steakhouse in your community, how often are they open? And typically it's like, 5.30 p.m. to like 9 p.m., maybe three or four nights a week. We all have one of those restaurants within a couple hours of us. And think about the 7-Eleven. And it's open, you know, 24-7, 365. And what's actually more valuable? What do you coven more? And it's the steakhouse because it's less available. And so when you're answering an email at 11 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock in the morning, you're becoming more of the 7-Eleven and less of the steakhouse. And I want you to know that you are the steakhouse. There's only one of you. You're the most unique thing on the face of this planet because there's only one of you. 
And that's true for every single person listening. Even if you're a twin, there's still only one of you. Or a triplet, there's still only one of you. And so knowing that and honoring that space and knowing that it takes an investment to make sure that that uniqueness is taken care of. Yeah, I can't grow an orchid or plants, period. But I know that orchids in particular, uh, we used to have an African violet and it was like, I guess the most high maintenance plant in the world. And I killed it. I'll say that. (laughs) So I don't do plants very well, but it's because I don't actually understand everything that they need. And sometimes we're our own African violets or we're our own orchids. And we don't, we've lost touch with the relationship with ourselves and what we actually need. And we let billboards and magazines and commercials tell us what we need instead of having and improving the, the relationship with really the only person who matters and is the foundation of everything, which is yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think like, a big part that I'm very passionate about is this whole notion that regardless of where anyone is within their life journey today, there's only going to be a single common denominator going forward, and that's them, right? So like, the business can change, the career can change, spouse can change, family can change, you can move to a different country, everything can change ultimately. But the common denominator is going to be you. And I think the way I always wear it is if you're not in alignment with yourself today, it's very unlikely that you can make decisions about your future that will suddenly put you in alignment, right? Or at least if you're not conscious and say, hey, here's the things that's misaligned and here's what I'm going to change about that kind of alignment. I'm curious in that, I mean, like, as you think about staying vigilant or being aware of the things that you need, right? Like, how do you define the things you need? And how do you kind of, where are those tripwires for where you need know that you are like not nourishing yourself enough? So let's, if you're listening to this, let's imagine, I'm not going to have you close your eyes because if you're driving, then we're going to get all sorts of like feedback on this. But imagine, if, particularly if you're driving, the road is this journey called life and you're driving to this destination of fulfilling your your vision. So if I woke up tomorrow and the world was as best as it possibly could be, and there was nothing I could do to make the world any better, I wouldn't have to get out of bed. Like my vision would be fulfilled. And so I would be at the end of that road. And I believe that when I do pass on, that I will have done as much as I can do in myself to be able to fulfill that vision. And the car that you're driving is the mission. So that can be your company, that can be your relationships with your kids. It's how you're making the world a better place. So for me, some of those vehicles are my company, but it's why I don't own like different kinds of companies is because I can't, I can only drive one vehicle at once. And all your listeners are like, where is she going with this? We've gone from like flower metaphors to car metaphors. Trust me. To horses. To horses, starfish, it's fine. So your core values are the guardrails. And this is what your question was. And so I can be slightly offline for a little bit of time. And suddenly that slightly offline, if I don't have those guardrails, I'm headed to a completely different area than where this road was supposed to leave me. I am off-roading. But if I violate one of those core values, I'm going to hit a guardrail and I'm going to make a conscious decision to either wreck my car or go through a guardrail. 
But I, having those core values and having that destination and that vision and knowing what vehicle I'm driving and how I'm fulfilling that purpose all keep me on that road. And if you don't have that though, it's so easy to get off that road and end up where you never wanted to be. And even if you're doing it for just a day, the correction to come back is not like jerking the wheel. It's a very conscious and it's a very intentional way of staying on the road. Yeah, and just from experience there, but like I, I went from my first business to my second, and in the first business, culture was very much one of those things that just happened to us, right? It wasn't something that we ever spoke about, but I knew that there was a culture there, right? And, and culture is probably just this kind of narrative around specific values, right? And in my second business, I knew that what I wanted was to be very clear about what those values were. And to your point is that's exactly how we use the values. We, in the team, when we would have to make a decision, commercial decision, and we didn't really know where to go, if it wasn't the obvious, like, here's a commercial thing, like the, the guardrails or the determining factors were values. Like we could rely on those values because we had built this kind of uh, vocabulary around what this actually means. So for us, it didn't mean just like, honesty is one of our values. Like, you know, if honesty was one of our values, like we were very clear about this is how that actually plays out. And that keeps us like, that actually makes life much simpler as well, because it immediately filters out so much noise and things that doesn't deserve our time and attention, right? Because you mentioned earlier, like we already are overwhelmed in terms of what demands our attention. So being, you know, being clear about those values filters out a lot. I'm wondering for someone that has never thought about their own values, how do you help them start thinking about values and just defining kind of what those values are and, and what in your opinion is a good value, right? And I'm not meaning, I don't mean like honesty versus dishonesty. I mean like, you know, some values just probably- Don't put integrity. <laughs> That's like the number one that people come out with is like, integrity is one of my core values. No, it's not. Integrity is something that psychologically you have just heard over and over and over and over again. And so you think it's a value. But when we go to get these tattooed on you, you're going to rethink integrity. So what your listeners are like, this is this is crazy. But think about that. If you're going to go get something tattooed on you, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of tattoos on my own body. I have no judgment on anyone else's tattoos. And in fact, my husband's covered in them. But being able, like I've thought about putting a starfish on my wrist to remind me every single day I'm here to throw starfish. Like that's my my purpose. And I put all of my values into the company and then we put them on every single invoice that goes out. And that level of accountability is allowing our community to hold us accountable to our values. And it's actually on my email signature. I think it's basically everywhere we could have put it. And so our values, the way that we came to them, one of our most recent additions is the Rocky and B value. And so that value is to say that I'm not going to do anything that I wouldn't share with my kids that they would be proud of. And when we were doing our, you know, annual summit as a team, that value came up because I said, you know, this conference, I don't really, it's not in a place and it's not really sponsored by individuals that we really resonate with. And at the end of the day, when I'm telling my kids, I'm getting on a plane and I'm leaving you and here's what I'm going to go do. My kids are expecting that I'm making the world a better place. And is this really 
making the world a better place. And so we added that as one of our values. Joie de vivre. You know, I'm not going to do it if I'm not going to have fun. I wouldn't do this podcast if it was like Ben Sign. That probably would be fun. But if it was very low energy and I wasn't going to be reaching people that I feel like are in my herd, I wouldn't be here. And you're the only one who can give yourself permission to create those values. So the quick exercise that I did and that I was taught and that I start clients on is if you imagine that your company was going to be as successful as it could possibly be, who would you have in your company or on your board of advisors? And then you write down five to six qualities that each of these individuals have, and then you find themes. And typically it takes five to six individuals and five to six values each until you find those overlapping themes. And so for me, I think we ended up with like a Care Bear, my grandfather, Ronald Reagan, Nancy would be a part of that, you know? And so I think I had like, I would have to go back and, and look at it, but being able to know why I put the people on there and then looking at the stories and the narratives that you use and the analogies for me that I use and that consistency around that, it really brings the themes to light. And when you have that themes, because they're there in your life, and it's really just about being able to have that awareness, as you talked about, that they are themes and that those are your values. And it's not a value if you're willing to go off-road. So I'd encourage you to have three, four, don't put six, don't put seven, because then you're just getting into aspirations. You're not getting into values because when push comes to shove and you're in a foxhole, you'd be shocked at the things that you thought were important to you that you're going to violate in order to get yourself out of that foxhole, whether it's for your family, for your own sanity, or you know, for to save your company. And I've let companies die before. I did it last year because of a lack of core values where I was in a partnership and their core values were so offline of mine that I ended up leaving the partnership because I couldn't sacrifice my values. And these values, when you live by them, it'll make you physically sick to violate a value. That's how you know that it's a value and that it's that important to you. And so it it takes some time don't put them up in stone. I had a client that literally had them carved in stone until you've lived with them for about a year and watch them evolve, watch them grow, watch the verbiage because language is a funny thing. And so somebody had said, well, why, why don't you just say joy of life? And I said, because there's an international humanity that lives within our company. And it's not just because we're a global company, it's because as a company we recognize and want to acknowledge that we are one humanity. And so, you know, having a multilingual core value system is in and of itself representative. And I have another client that has a Hawaiian word as a core value. And, you know, that's because, like you said, there's some words in other languages that mean something so incredibly beautiful and meaningful that even if it is just something that you understand, it gives you a jumping off point when you're talking to your tribe and your community so that they know, well, why don't you just translate that in English? 
Well, that's probably not somebody that our company is going to work with if they're saying, well, why don't you just translate that in English instead of what was the intention in having it be in French? Yeah. I love that. And by the way, I love your little kind of your process or framework there for figuring out values. The one I did, totally much more boring. Um, and I can totally imagine not as much fun. I'm totally stealing that and kind of suggesting that others do the same thing. Um, <laughs> I I want to kind of you know, try and um, tie things up here, Bunny. So I know kind of you speaking about kind of work-life alignment is something that's important to you. Speaking about kind of you know, building a lifestyle business or like lifestyle business building is important to you. Preventing burnout is important to you. You've spoken about self-work. So wonder whether you can kind of you know, end our conversation with a hypothetical situation in which we find someone in. So the someone is is Gina. Gina is a young mom. She's running a young business. The business has had ups and downs. She constantly feels like she has a never ending to do list. She can't do absolutely everything. And now she listens to the show and she hears you and I speak about, hey, you should do this exercise about figuring out your values. And hey, you should probably be prioritizing yourself first. And she listens and she thinks, you know, Adi and Bunny are talking and they're just suggesting that I do more things, right? I really don't have time. Like I'm a young mom, kid is demanding to, you know, time. There's stuff that I need to do, stuff that you know, needs to happen at home. What is your number one suggestion for Gina at this stage? So Gina, you're not alone first and foremost. And for your to-do list, the only way to have it be never ending is to give yourself a maximum of three things per day on your to-do list. And I would suggest two. So once you have those core values and you can explore it while taking a bath tonight after the kids are asleep, once you have those core values and you're discovering your purpose, look at your to-do list and prioritize them into A, Bs, and Cs on what actually is a priority. And if you were diagnosed with a heart condition, you know what would you actually need to get done and what is a priority? And so often we have this to-do list, but we don't actually ever prioritize it. We just go in the order that it's written, or we look at what's important and urgent. And urgent is a relative term. You know, it was urgent to vote yesterday. It's not urgent to vote today in America. And so being able to just, and it sounds counterintuitive, but by you creating the space to prioritize that to-do list, take your calendar out and write two or three of those A priorities over the next week. You're gonna create space by taking the things out of the six inches between your ears and putting them into a manageable, almost lifestyle diet. It's a mindset diet is really what it is. And instead of saying, I have to get everything done today, saying, I'm gonna get these two things done today. And when you accomplish them, celebrate it. And if you get one done, celebrate it because that's really, we make it this impossible hamster wheel that we're on where I'm gonna get a hundred things done today. And then you're shocked and surprised when you don't do it. I don't know anybody who gets a hundred things done in a day. You know, I, I don't do it. And one of my business partners is a productivity guru and he doesn't get a hundred things done per day. He would listen to this and agree with me. His hack is the fact that, you know, he is productive because he only gives himself two important things to do. And then he's like, hey, I get everything that I planned on doing today done and takes credit for it. Fine, go for it. But you can do it too. And so that's what I want. I would love for you to go on that journey, Gina. And I'd love for you to be able to celebrate those wins and celebrate yourself. And whatever you do get done, 
know and honor that that's what today was meant for and that tomorrow will bring another opportunity. That's awesome. And uh, amplifying, like I think, as anyone in this world that has done hard things, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the things, not necessarily massive wins, but the things that we actually complete and the things that we do generally well, because we skip over those things and we just focus on what is next. Bunny, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for your time. If listeners wanted to see you throw more starfish all around <laughs> the world, like where should they follow you? Where would you want us to direct them? So I think the best place to find resources and get the most energy is on our YouTube channel. So it's Bunny Young Business Therapist, and you can find hours of 10-minute videos or less that have all of these conversations and more conversations with Gina and more conversations for you. And then bunnyyoung.com is another great place to find some resources and find a an ebook on sanity because who doesn't need or want that right now and you can get that for free on that website wasn't the bunny we'll we'll get that linked up please continue throwing starfish please continue making this world a better place thank you for all the great work you're doing and thanks for this conversation no oh, my honor and pleasure thank you for having me here awesome thanks That's it for me for today's episode. If anything in today's conversation really resonated with you, please do send me an email on ad at lifeprofitability.com. That's A-D-I-I at lifeprofitability.com. You can also leave a review on iTunes, which helps me to improve the show and perhaps also helps me to reach someone else that needs to hear this or might find this helpful. I'll be back here with another great guest next week. Cheers. Cheers.